All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The first selection of the National Hockey League draft belongs to... The Daily Faceoff podcast comes to you courtesy of the Nation Network. The first overall pick in the 2015 NHL draft. Gretzky had it, The Daily Face-Off. The Daily Face-Off podcast with your host, Brock Sagan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 41 of the Daily Face-Off podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Brock Sagan. Uh, today, we're going about this Beebless. Uh, but, of course, Beebless. with me, as always, Dylan D. Berthium in Brantford. How's it going, D? Happy to hold it down with you today, Brock. Dude, it's, it's hilarious. Like we, We've done 40 episodes. This is 41 now. And yep. Every single time I go to like introduce you, I almost say Brampton every time. Brampton. Like I, I'm always like that last second split decision. I'm like, shit, which one is it, Brampton or Brantford? Like I can't. And then I'm always like Brantford. And then it's remember Wayne, dude. Yeah. And then, I, but then I say it, and then I kind of like even once I say it, I kind of just sit there and wait to see if you're like, uh, it's Brampton. literally, literally everyone does it, man. Like, oh, you're a Brampton for school, eh? Like, yeah, sure. Like, depending on the person, I just won't correct them. Like, I, I don't care enough for you to know that detail about my life. That's funny. Um, but yeah, so since we're Beebless today, um, uh, we actually have a special guest joining us in the second half of the show. Uh, we have. Dom Lestigian, I can't pronounce his name. I, I messed Lechizen, it up. Lestigian, I think. 
either way omg it's domi on twitter he joins us later yeah in the there's show. a reason he doesn't go by his full name yeah it's a tough one it's funny because <laughs> i used to have this teacher way back in the day she was like my favorite teacher in grade school her last name was semchishin and it was spelt okay. the same as he spells his last name and i still couldn't right. pull it off right. i had it but i don't know whatever anyways moving along um shout us yeah semchishin she was a good teacher good lady um but before we get into fantasy hockey, we might as well talk about some nonsense like we always do. Uh, did you happen to catch what Kate Upton said on Twitter yesterday? I definitely did. <laughs> How unbelievable was that? I thought it was incredible. So it as a, as a Tigers fan, and even if you're not a Tigers fan, I think a lot of people were expecting uh, Justin Verlander to come away with the Cy Young Award yesterday. Well, he had the objectively best season of any American League pitcher, so you'd think that'd be good. Isn't that like? Isn't that what the Cy Young's for? <laughs> no, it's for whoever the writers like the best. Dude. Oh, okay, okay. Whoever's got the best feel-good narrative. Oh, okay, so not the thirty-three-year-old comeback with the hottest girlfriend in sports. He's not. No, a, he's not a feel-good. hundred more strikeouts than the Cy Young. Okay, that's not okay. That's not enough. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. No, but that was what it. What exactly was it again? Like I thought I was the only only one who's allowed to. F- Verlander. <laughs> I was yeah. crying laughing when I saw it. I like it how so like good. she could have. She could have been, like, a little softer about it. You may use the word, like, screw or something, right? But, yeah. no. Like, that was just... It wouldn't have had the same impact. I love how she didn't pull the Collinsworth and just delete the tweet. Like, that's how the internet works. Yeah, but you she saw had... that one, right? Oh, Collins yeah, that was... Oh, she... he roasted him. That was so good. Dude, did you see, like... Yeah, he's good. I like him. But did you see, like, I think it was a day or two later, like, Bill Simmons had him on his podcast. Really? Yeah, so it was like... I Clear think, in the air? Yeah, I think they were both just like, we're like, oh, let's just do it. Like, let's just have yeah. each other on the show and we'll right. just talk and clear the air. Yeah. Because, yeah, he roasted... Well, Collingsworth for sure isn't the guy who, like, would want to carry a beef, you know what I mean? Definitely not. Did you, I, I did you see his Robin dad took... shirt? Yeah. <laughs> That's not... A guy that wears that, like, pink 1980s sweater on the air is definitely not yeah. a guy that carries any beef. No, he's great, man. Uh, I, just, he pro- I think he just took like some exception to how uh, the language that Simmons used. I think he's like, someone needs to break it to him gently. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> somebody somebody should gently let you know, like, talk about it on your well-listened show or whatever it was. Yeah, he just put, took him to school. Yeah, but that's a, that was the worst because like, Twitter like kind of exploded and was yeah. like, oh, like, Collinsworth just destroyed this guy. And then Collinsworth, like, delete. Like, dude, let that go. Mm-hmm. let it live in infamy man that shit's yeah. great like that's how the internet works eh? like <laughs> gets retweeted a thousand times and you delete it like it, no one's ever gonna see it yeah again. that's a thing like i don't understand why these people do it because like if it's, especially like if you're famous once right. you tweet it there's at yeah. least one person out there that was dying laughing boom screenshot and then like sure. it's it's not gonna be gone regardless so no. Uh, that's why I respect Kate for just leaving it up there. Yeah, she's and, just like... <laughs> uh, I don't think Verlander's commented on it at all either, which is pretty... You know, what's he going to say? <laughs> you know what the best part is? Go ahead right now. Are you on... Uh-huh. Go on Google and just Google that... Justin Verlander. Why is that the first thing that comes up? No, well, of course. But then, you know how, like, when you Google something, like, the picture pops up at the side? Yeah. Okay, have you Googled it? The picture of like Justin Verlander's like wiki picture is literally like what I pictured Verlander's reaction being when he read Kate's tweet. It's perfect. Oh, is, is it like the open mouth? <laughs> yeah. That's just, yeah, that's his Twitter bot. Yeah, it's, it's probably just exactly what he looked like when she when he read that tweet. Like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> Damn, Kate. Oh, he's, kind of, 
He's kind of responding about it right now. Is he? Mm, yeah, he said she wasn't upset about me losing. Uh, that's fine. Something, but turning in a ballot a week before the season ends, which apparently happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't wait for last season. But she managed to yada yada yada. Sorry, just reading this. Like this literally was tweeted out. Her point was that they were uninformed, that they turned in their ballot a week early, only validated her point. So. I it guess. was ridiculous, nonetheless. The, who right, can... it was great how she went about it. I, anyone who's taking objections to it, like... Ah. Yeah, oh, there's for sure people out there that are just not happy about it, but, like... Right, but, like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's not like it's have coming fun from Orlando it. himself, and it's, you know, it's Kate Upton's Twitter. Like, she can tweet, like, literally whatever she wants. Yeah. So, like, I don't think Verlander should be receiving any repercussions. No, absolutely not. If anything, he should be praised for having the best girlfriend ever. That's awesome. I think that was already... Yeah, well, we, we already knew, but it's just so it's even better that she's just standing up for him now. It's even yeah, it's great. oh, in the best way possible. Yeah, it's just so good. <laughs> Kate, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. You can come on whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, if you want to tell your side of the argument, we can talk about the flaws. We'll meet you in Brantford if you want. We can have you live on air. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> but uh, let's get into some fantasy hockey. I don't know if she's a huge fantasy hockey fan, but if she is, maybe she'll come on the show. Um, Probably, which we're yeah. also into. Yeah. We can do that. First overall, Justin Verlander. Oh, yeah. No, I would have done that regardless. (laughs) Uh, But some huge news broke. Yesterday was like the weirdest day in the NHL. It was everything happened at once. It was, you know, we saw first Steven Stamkos goes down. Um, I was worried. I was watching that game live because he was playing Detroit. And right away, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Like, with other players, you see him kind of hobble off, and you're like, ah, whatever, no biggie. But with Stammer, it's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's done for the year. And then, <laughs> he, so he hobbles off, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be good. And then they're like, oh, he's being sent back to Tampa Bay. Oh, he's getting an MRI. It's like, oh, shit. It's real. So it turns out Steven Stamkos is going to be probably out for four to six months. He's going to undergo surgery on a lateral meniscus tear, right. um, which just happens to be... The same injury that Taylor Hall has. Hall has a meniscus tear as well, but he's only expected to miss three to four weeks, so obviously not as an extensive of a yeah, tear. I'm assuming it was like a clean tear in Stamkos. Yeah. Which um, is a way bigger deal, obviously. Yeah, so he's going to be out four to six months. Hall's out, I think, three to four weeks. And then Johnny Goudreau, also out, it's believed to be around six weeks. He has to undergo surgery for a broken finger. Is, is Hall uh, is Hall having the like surgery as well? Because from what I read, I mean, we're nowhere near medical experts, so take this for what it's worth. But uh, like, I, I, I think I saw McKenzie tweet that like the recovery time for the procedure is four to six months. So I, like, I don't know if Hall is just like foregoing the procedure. No, or... it's it's like a, it, it's different. It's, it's different a different procedure. procedure. Yeah, he's undergoing. Yeah. I mean, he's undergoing an arthroscopic knee procedure, which. I don't know exactly what it means. We'll probably get really on Twitter. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not going to go into it. So, we're, so whatever. But it's, yeah, two different meniscus tears <laughs> by your non-medical examiners in Brock Segan and Dylan DeBerthew. So there you go. Uh, um, did you did you actually end up seeing, like, how uh, Johnny Goudreau got hurt? Uh, I did not. He was literally just getting chopped out there. Like, Minnesota was just hacking the shit out of him. Like, every time he would just be, like, he would be just skating around in, like, the defensive zone, and they would just, like, uh-huh. chop his hands. They were just whacking him left and right, and apparently, like, 
Gulletson or how you pronounce that coach's name. He's just like, he was bitching at the refs because like it was happening, it was happening. And then even yeah. after that, they got him again. And then that was the one that I guess broke his finger. But it was funny on TSN the other day, uh, yesterday, I guess, uh, they showed, they're like, this isn't the first time that Goudreau has been slashed. We're like, okay, well, obviously, like every player in the league is that. They had literally like a five-minute reel of just him just getting yeah. slashed, <laughs> just getting well, chopped. But uh, they, oh, yeah, yeah they, I guess that's just one way to slow him down. Uh, that's okay. what the opposition said that they were going to do. The Wild obviously uh, tried to just tee off on him, and pretty unfortunate um, but it's it's honestly just unfortunate to lose all three of these guys. Uh, if you're if you're a hockey fan in general, it's never good to see somebody, uh, especially Steven Stamkos, go down. Uh, Stamkos kind of had a rough year last year, right, with everything that was going on. But he's had a great start to this year. Stamkos nine goals, eleven assists uh, for twenty points in his first seventeen games of the year. So he was uh, off to a great start. It's a, yeah, it's a tough injury. Uh, it was. Yo, this clip says, by the way, Goudreau was slashed twenty one times. In that game, or just yeah, yeah. I, I saw a couple twenty one though. Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god! I would honestly like after like the eleventh one, been like, are you kidding yeah. me? Like, let's, I'm dropping shit. the mitts. Who's who wants to go? This is ridiculous. Yeah, that's actually twenty one, eh? But yeah, so Stamkos had twenty points. Uh, Taylor Hall had twelve points, five goals, seven assists in fourteen games. Uh, Goudreau had eleven points, five goals, six assists in seventeen games. So. I guess what we're going to do on the show before we really get into it is, first of all, we're going to talk about some replacements um, within the team. Who's expected to step up to fill the void for Stamkos, Hall, and Goudreau on the respective teams? And then we're going to go to our interview with Dom. And then after the interview, we're going to come back and uh, kind of break down the injuries a little more and talk about some fantasy hockey um players that you should be able to pick up in almost every league they're, they're readily available in a lot of leagues who you can pick up at center to replace the likes of Stamkos and who you can pick up at left wing to replace the likes of Hall and Goudreau so D we'll start with Stamkos because I, I think that's the more significant injury he's the one expected to miss the most time yeah how I mean they've been there before but how much does this hurt the lightning uh, like a lot, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, obviously, they still have a lot of depth on their team. Uh, nowhere near the talent of Stammer, aside from Kucherov, who's been awesome this year as well, especially of late. Um, so I, I don't know. Like the the one thing for sure, like from a fantasy perspective, anyway, there's going to be a lot of extra opportunity on that team. Um, Stammer is playing 18 minutes a game and three and a half minutes of power play time a game. So that's got to be allocated somewhere else. Uh, Kucherov can't take all those minutes. So definitely some of that depth down the lineup is going to be seeing some more opportunity, which, you know, could make for some intriguing plays in fantasy. Yeah. So I guess the one good thing for the Lightning was they lose Stamkos heading into tonight's game, uh, which is Thursday night, and they get Jonathan Drouin back. So, I mean, at least that, that, lightens the blow a little bit Mm -hmm. uh the one crazy thing especially uh i'm I'm sure you you can agree as a maple leafs fan but as a red wings fan in the atlantic division it's like you never want to see stamkos go down but obviously this opens the door a little bit for teams like the red wings and the maple leafs who are who are bubble teams yeah but that even when you go and look like go to dailyfaceoff.com and look at their lines you look at him like holy shit this team is still good 
there's a lot of skill and depth up front. It's like I can't like and you. I think you kind of take it for granted when Stamkos is in the lineup. You just kind of look at it and you're like, okay, Stamkos, Kucherov, they're unreal. But then mm-hmm. even if you take him out of the equation, it's like, frick, they're still a playoff team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think their defense is still really solid. I, me personally, I think Hedman's one of the best in the game. Yeah. And obviously their goaltender is solid too. So um, it's, you know, like obviously it's a huge blow, but we've seen them be able to get through this before. Um, obviously they're not the top tier elite team that they are with Stamkos in the lineup, but I definitely still think they're a playoff team. Yeah, it's it's interesting too. Uh, today there was a lot of talk about how the mood in the dressing room was still very upbeat and very positive and very confident. Right. Well, and, they've been through it before. Ex- and that's exactly it, right? They, they've been down this road before and they were successful uh, the last time around. I mean, they still got in the playoffs and Stamkos came back. Uh, I guess you could say that Stamkos has been known to be a, a quick healer. Uh, that's been the case in the past. Sure. It's never, I mean, every injury is different, right? But Yeah, exactly. We're talking about a broken bone before now. and now is a, Yeah, exactly. But still, I mean, hopefully, even if it's on the front end, he's only out till March. Um, so it, it, he, he still could be back for, you know, a last month of the season or whatever. This one obviously has way more fantasy implications than the other two injuries, just because of the uh, the nature and the length of the injury. Yeah, and I would I would just like it's such a tough call in redraft leagues right now whether to hold on to Stamkos or not. Um, I think if you have room on your IR, you need to keep him in the meantime until For sure. you get because the timeline like four to six months that's a massive gap, obviously. Yeah, sixty days that it, it could go either way. Um, so like obviously the further he gets a. Uh, well, especially once the procedure happens and you know the the, the first couple months are going to say a lot about where he is on track and exactly stuff like that so I, I think you gotta wait if you can um if you can't it's probably not the worst thing to drop him because it sounds like best case he's probably might be able to play like another what 10 regular season games yeah and it all i guess Back it all depends too right where how deep your league is i mean like if you're like True. in an 18 league where the the free agents are just loaded yeah then like obviously it's worth picking up a guy who's still going to put up 50 points over the or or 40 points over the next four months versus a guy who's just going to do nothing for you uh but in deeper leagues i mean it's still it's weird because like we've seen guys like um bob mckenzie eric erlinson i think is how you pronounce his name he's like the one of the premier writers in tampa they've both kind of confirmed that it's four to six months, uh, but nothing official from the Lightning. I mean, it, you, you right. can never really say. Uh, so were they going off of the team set or just like off of, because like, I know what McKenzie said, like, oh, this is the recovery time for this. Procedure. Yeah, so I think it was more so that, like, I don't think any, like the team hasn't officially said it, but I mean, when Bob McKenzie says it, it's usually like. Yeah, like he's, there's something, some backing to it. Bob yeah, he's definitely talking to like probably like. He's probably talking to like the surgeon himself, and the surgeon's like, "Yeah, this is how long he's going to be out." Yeah, probably, or you know, like a, a that's that'd be like the proper move in for a reporter, anyway. Exactly. To, to get a decent timeline, if not him, then uh, a surgeon who performs a, the same procedure. Right. So looks like four to six months, but yeah, that is that's definitely a huge blow. I just, I still think they're probably a playoff team, um, but yeah. I mean, we've kind of seen uh, the Panthers without Bukestad and Huberto. I mean, they're not. They were like they're still getting goals and stuff from Marcia, so, uh, but they're not really like in the playoff mix right now. I mean, it's obviously still early. So if you take a guy like Stamkos out, who knows how much uh, 
the lightning will drop. I think they're a lot deeper and a lot more well-equipped for to deal with this than somebody like the Panthers. Uh, yeah. But, but still, it's obviously a huge... I mean, I bet they're wishing they still had Jonathan so right now. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. They, um, but I mean, if so let's quickly then, let's kind of talk about some guys in Tampa Bay that are expected to fill in. Uh, so if you look at their lines tonight, Vladimir Nemestikov is going to uh, center the top line with Andre mm-hmm. Pilat and Nikita Kucherov. Personally, I think there's a very high probability that we see Pilat, Tyler Johnson, and Kucherov reunited, get that triplets line back together. I think that's probably... like I think I just don't think Nemesnikov's going to hold down the four on the top line for the next four months. Right. But um, I mean, we'll, we'll see, because I, I think uh, Kucherov definitely has the potential to carry a line. Uh, oh, for sure. I think that they, they're they hoping that that kind of sticks. Um, yeah. I think they obviously want Nemestikov and Pilat to play with Kucherov because he's a snipe show. They're both quality playmakers, especially Pilat. I think that's kind of what, like, if you look at their lines now, I don't think Jonathan Drouin is going to stick on the third line. Braden Point played really, really well while Drouin was out, so I don't think, I just don't think that they're ready to just, like, drop him back down because Drouin's back. But I think it's only a matter of time before he works his way back in. And then if... If, if Kucherov can kind of carry that line, I think Tyler Johnson, Drouin, Killorn are, are capable of being a really, really strong second line. And yeah. then you're looking at still a very uh, strong top six. And then even Philpula, Callahan, and Braden Point, when you look down at the third line, is, is extremely He's, capable. Yeah. So um, I think, like, obviously Tyler Johnson and Mechnikov get the biggest uh, fantasy boost from, from this injury. Um, I also think somebody like Jonathan Drouin, perhaps... Uh, might see more time on the top power play unit, Andre Pilat. Guys like that will see more time when Stamp goes out. Because like you said, what did you say, three minutes per night or something like that? that needs three to and take. a half power play minutes. Yeah, so there's a lot to go around. Uh, the one thing, too, um, it could it's, – it's tough to say because it was Anton Strahlman always playing on the top power play unit because um, he was the guy who could feed uh, Stamp Coast for that one T on the point. But now that Stamkos is out, this might actually help Victor Hedman, who could go up to that top pair, or that top power play story and be and be kind of the focal point versus losing a guy like Stamkos. I think Kucherov will still kind of hold uh, some some stock in that top power play as well. But I mean, the, re- the sole reason that Strawman is on that top top power play unit uh, is to feed Stamkos. So I think right, it it's going to change the. Stru- I was just thinking that too. It's going to change the structure of their power play for sure. Absolutely. Um, it's usually stand coast on one side, uh, four guys on the other side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's you know, gonna like it's, you have to respect stand coast shots so much that it opens up other opportunities too. So, uh, it's gonna be really interesting to see what plays out. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. It was it, it kind of bothered me, but it also was kind of funny today to look and there's so much just shit going on. Like so many Leaf reporters, even and fans, just like. Oh, you should have signed with Toronto. I was like, you sons of bitches. Like, can't you just feel bad for the guy Always for five minutes? got to be a fan, too. No, it was, there was just the one reporter today said something. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, come on. The guy's hurt. Like, you got to be like, yo, that sucks. Not, you should have signed here, dumbass. But I guess it's just yeah. me and Lee fans. Yeah, it's the relationship. You just let it get to you too much. I think I do. 100%. Just see too much of it. Every fan base has got him. Oh yeah, it's uh, it like I don't know, even for me like because I'm as a huge Red Wing fan like the Lightning are literally our biggest rival and like you think like I'd be happy about this but like it's just so shitty when good players like this go down like I hate when we play them I hate Stamkos when he plays us but like it it still sucks uh, but let's move on now 
We'll go to Johnny Gaudreau. Um, I can't remember. I wish I, I wish I had it uh, in front of me. But somebody tweeted out yesterday. They're like among the players uh, on NHL rosters today. If like they were to get hurt, how much that team would oh, be screwed? I did see that. Uh, Goudreau would be like at the top of that list. I'm gonna try to find it super quick, but I don't know if I'm gonna pull it off. I, I saw exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah, it was like oh uh, Andrew Walk. Yeah, Andrew Walker from us uh, Sportsnet. Yeah. He, yeah, uh, so he said price is number one on the list, but Goudreau ranks very high on the if this guy goes down, we're screwed list. And that's yeah. extremely true, especially yeah. given the, the Flames' slow start. Definitely hurts more um, because of that because like, they're just they're, they're trying to kind of climb back into that playoff hunt and then Goudreau mm-hmm. goes down and now they're like... Right. And we've talked about how big Giordano and uh, Brody are for that team, but uh, you need that production up front with those guys. Absolutely. Like, Having the puck for 55% of the game is great, but you still need someone who can do something with that possession. Um, and this affects somebody like Sean Monaghan just immensely too. Like his, his fantasy stock takes such a hit. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, let's stay with the Flames here. Now, this obviously opens the door up um, in Calgary. I mm-hmm. think mostly for Sam Bennett. He's yeah. going to get the first crack on that top line. The reason I think it should be Kachuk. Well, here's the reason why it's not. Um, I can't remember exactly the numbers. You might be able to pull them up quick, but that backland for Lee Kachuk line is one of like the top lines in the NHL at even strength right now. So I, I think like the whole plan is like, hey, we've got these guys as a solidified, great second line. We kind of just got to hope that we can put Bennett up there. Or maybe play, that line moves up to the to the top line, right? And like, I and that's what I was gonna say. I think that's gonna kind of be what happens is they're gonna become. Because it's not like there's no uh, disparity in talent between the two lines anymore. To no, be quite. No, exactly. And that's exactly it. That's what I was gonna say. I think that yeah. we're gonna maybe technically Sam Bennett moves to the top line tonight, but I really think that that Kachuk backline for weak line really becomes the top line because they they're um, I, Sean Tierney was the one that tweeted it out. It was kind of. One of his graphs about uh, Corsi four wall on the ice, and it was, but it, it was broken down by line, and and this line was one of the best lines in the NHL at even strength so far this year. So I think that's one thing. Um, I think Backlund for Leak and Kachuk all kind of receive a small fantasy boost um, because of this injury. Sorry, because of this injury, I think they'll see a lot more minutes, uh, and they've been great all year. So right. And like Kachuk especially, uh, he's just playing 13 minutes a game right now. Um, and again, like Goudreau, very similar to Stamkos, is playing 19 minutes a night, three and a half power play minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. Although, you know, it's worth noting that Calgary's power play has been absolutely terrible. Yeah. Uh, third last in the league, under 10%. So obviously losing Goudreau is going to help. But nevertheless, there's more opportunity to go around. Um, it, I, I think if Kachuk, like even if, if he could make his way to play around 17 minutes a night, which is obviously far from a given for a rookie to take on that kind of responsibility, but he's got, he's at half a point a game right now. Like mm-hmm. I said, just 13 minutes a game. Um, and his, his shot pace is solid too for around uh, what he's been like at, for that little amount of ice time. So if, uh, by my math, I, I broke it down into shots per minute and worked it back up. If he was to play 17 minutes a night, he'd average about two and a half shots, which is pretty, pretty good for a rookie. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, like you said, he's got the second best possession rate on the Flames at this point, at fifty six and a half percent. So I, I think he deserves the shot. Uh, at this 
point, I think he looks more promising than Sam Bennett, like even just from an overall spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bennett has been mostly disappointing. I know he hasn't had the most opportunity. Uh, but, yeah, like, to me, like, I think Kachuk's the guy to keep an eye on. He might not be worth an ad yet, um, but if his playing time is, goes up, like like I said, 13 minutes is really, really low, and he's already at half a point a game with not a lot of power play time. Um, so that just kind of shows you, how, like Brock was saying, how good they've been at even strength. So I think if Kachuk and, like you were saying, that line uh, sees more as, minutes. As a whole, yeah, if they could, if they see top line minutes, like I think Kachuk is a, a legitimate fantasy ad. Yeah, and he's a definite must own in in keeper leagues. It's like he was, yes. he was, he was almost there before, but now he he definitely yes. is. The thing, the thing is, too, you, you see this a lot with uh, first year players uh, when they come in, they kind of play those sheltered minutes, um, and I think maybe that's more so the case at the start of the year when they're still trying to figure out what they've got in a player, right? Like, should we keep him past the nine-game mark, burn the first year of the entry-level contract? Now that he's past that, they're like, hey, he's here to stay. we got to see what we really do have in him. And and, and there's a lot to like so far. Right. If I'm coaching the Flames, like, I don't think you have that. Like, you can hope Sam Bennett steps up his game, but, like, I don't know if there's much else of an option. I think now that we've talked about it, that definitely makes the most sense is just giving that line. Yes. And, and, and I think that will be the case, even if they split just right down the middle, those both lines play the same amount of minutes. That's still a boost for them. Um, the one thing with Bennett, though, is that he spent the majority of this season at center, um, and then quite a bit of his production last year. I think he's a little more comfortable. It's a little bit easier for him to play on the wing. So maybe this transition back to the wing will kind of help. Uh, obviously, playing with somebody like Monaghan is going to help a lot, too. Yeah. But I do agree about Kachuk, so... We'll see. Um, I think that they're both players that you need to keep an eye on. If you're in keeper yeah. leagues, one of them's probably still available, maybe worth a look. Uh, so get on Kachuk, get on Bennett. Uh, I really do think that that backland for Lee Kachuk line is just like we're, we. You can only see those those analytic numbers in front of you so right. long before like they just start ripping it up. Like, right. and like I said, they've been doing really well for like their limited time. And uh, the good thing too and is Pro League's always been been good and pretty underrated in my mind. And super I, consistent. I, I like Backlund, not as much as Pro League, like, but Pro League has always been really good. I, I, I think Backlund's pretty good too. Well, they're both just such good two way players too. It takes yeah. a lot of the burden off of Kachuk to kind of focus on the offense, which is it's a nice balanced line, which is why I don't I think that they'll they'll be good. But I don't think we can talk about Calgary's second line any longer than we already have. Uh, the f- third and final main injury, uh, as we mentioned, was Taylor Hall in New Jersey. Uh, so as of tonight, it is going to be Bo Bennett who moves up to the top line. It actually was the other night when Hall missed his first game, but Bennett on the top line with Zajac in Parento, and then Pavel Zaka in his rookie year moves up as well, second line with Henrik and Palmieri. Uh, and this allows Reed Boucher to get in the lineup. Nobody really cares. Uh, let's focus on Bo Bennett and Pavel Zaka for a minute. Um, Bo Bennett obviously was a first-round pick. And played you know, first round, correct? Yes, and but he was always kind of hyped, right? In in Pittsburgh, and just the one knock was he just yeah. could not stay healthy. Right. Uh, and for he, me, the more just like my why I was so hyped about him uh, when he was in Pittsburgh was he was playing with Crosby here. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, he was twentieth overall picked in two thousand ten. Uh, so far this year, only four assists in fourteen games. Um, playing with. Travis Zajac isn't a terrible thing. It's obviously not playing with Sidney Crosby, though. Um, 
But still, just 24 years old. Bennett's going to get a good shot. Uh, Pavel Zaka, he's also looked pretty good um, with New Jersey so far this year. They're both Production gonna... hasn't been there, but he hasn't had the most opportunities. So. Yeah, so these two guys are obviously going to see a nice boost in minutes. Um, <laughs> it's It's tough to say. I mean, like... The last, we just talked about guys in Tampa and guys in Calgary that, you know, are going to get this opportunity and you expect big things out of them, but it, it's just something about New Jersey that you just can't trust ever, it seems like. It's just like, oh yeah, he's got a chance in New Jersey. whoop shit. Like, what, who cares? <laughs> What's he going to do? Yeah. They don't score. So, uh-huh. I mean, like, yeah. I'm not going out and adding Pavel Zaka or Bo Bennett right now. Honestly, um, for me... um like, yeah, like, those are obviously two guys to watch. But if you're really desperate and you, like, want someone right now, I think it does a lot for uh, Parento, especially, and then even Kyle Palmieri. Yeah, I was going to say that, Those would be too. the guys that I would expect to see the uptick in power play time, at least. Um, and that's what Palmieri relied on a lot last year. Uh, and, uh, like, to me, like, Parento's still a good player. Um, I- I've said that before. But, like, he's still decent and uh, – He's shown, like, when he gets top power play time, he can actually be really productive. So, still not a great power play. Um, I like Severson, so there's always potential um, for that unit. Uh, yeah, but, he's great. Like, I, I think it just bo- it bodes well for Palmieri and Parento, I think. Um, and then, yeah, like you were saying, those two names, like, they're intriguing, but they're not someone I would jump on right now. No, yeah, and I was and I was going to get to that as well. Um mm-hmm. Especially Palmieri. I think Palmieri now becomes kind of the focal point of that top power play. Same with kind of, Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Uh, kind of like what we were talking about in Tampa Bay. Um, I think Palmieri kind of on the point there with Severson. Those two guys are now kind of going to be relied upon even heavier than they were before. Yeah. Uh, with the, yeah. with, and and Parenteau too, I think. Like, he's, he's good with the puck. Um, yeah, like I, it's not, like, I can't really say much more about Parenteau. He's, he's nothing great. I don't want to talk about too much in... But like he's he's New Jersey good is what I would say. Yeah, no, but hey, you know what we saw. Also, Cam Larry, Cam Larry, uh, he's out right now too. Yeah, that's the that's they said he's expected, I think, to rejoin soon. Yeah, and that's the thing; it's just a personal thing. And then that was the other thing I was going to get to as well. We're going to probably see um, a Cam Larry, Zajac, PA Parento first line in in New Jersey. Decent. It's not terrible at all. That's the that's the one guy that I think we're going to see. Bo Bennett go back down to the third line, whatever. Right. He'll probably be hurt in the next week and a half. Uh, and then Camilleri, all of a sudden, last year this was Camilleri and, and Stemniak's team. All the, and, yep. and, and now it's going to be Camilleri and Parento's team yep. uh, I mean, with, with a sprinkle in a Palmieri as well. Right. Camilleri has been good whenever he's been healthy in New Jersey. Oh, for sure. something you can't really overlook here because he's kind of crawling right back into that role that he had last year with Hallout now. So. Exactly. So... Those are some guys to keep an eye on. Obviously, those injuries are terrible, but those are just the guys to keep an eye on from those respective teams. After the break, we'll get back with the guys that we think on other teams are worth picking up to kind of fill the void. For First the interview. Yes, for Stamkos, Hall, and Goudreau. So right now, we're going to throw it over to the interview we did with OMG, it's Domi, Don Lecision. I think I got it right that time. Don Lecision of Hockey News and Leaf Station. Game score model. Yes. So we'll let you guys listen to that and then we'll get back, give you guys some waiver wire pickups uh, and some guys to target on other teams, not the Lightning, Devils, or Flames. So enjoy the interview. We'll see you guys back here in about 20 minutes. Been a long time, been a long time. 
I hope you guys enjoyed that sweet tune from the Blue Stones. Uh, but now we're here joined by Dom Lucision. Oh, I blew it already. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who's a hockey writer for the Hockey News and Leafs Nation. I'm sorry for butchering your name. Uh, but you guys also might know him from Twitter at OMG. It's Domi. How's it going, Dom? Uh, not bad. Uh, don't worry about my name. I'm pretty sure everyone gets it wrong at least four <laughs> times before they get it right. That's I, why I, you go by I, Domi, right? There you go. <laughs> I nailed it before the show. I ha- thought I had it coming in, but I blew it. Uh, but if you guys don't follow Dom, you definitely should. Again, at OMG, it's Domi on Twitter. Uh, he's a great follow. I love following him for his game game score model. Mostly, I think, though, just because I don't know what font you use, Dom, but it's the best <laughs> font I've ever seen, man. Uh, I use GT Pressure, and I have a mono version for, I guess, the numbers, so they're, like, evenly spaced. And then for, like, words and stuff, I use... I guess the normal version. But yeah, I spent like three or four hours one day just looking for fonts. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm so OCD when it comes to stuff like that. So every time I see it, I'm like, oh man, I, he did it right. Like it's perfect. It's so clean. I love it. <laughs> but uh, Dom, why don't you go ahead and explain to our listeners, uh, you know, kind of a little bit about your game score model, how it works, how you came up with it, and uh, maybe just why you came up with it. Uh, I guess I'll start with how and why I came up with it. Uh, I was watching a lot of basketball um, last summer because I guess I live in Toronto and the Raptors were doing things. <laughs> and then it was LeBron versus the Warriors. I had to watch that too. Mm-hmm. And I, like LeBron was just unreal. And I remember reading a bunch of stuff on it. And I stumbled on this one article at 538, and it mentioned a stat for basketball called Game Score. So I read up on it, and basically it just combined every box score stat. It weighted everything, different weights for how important it was, combined to one number, and it would tell you how good of a game it was on a scale that was familiar, which was points per game. So if you had a game score of 40, you think like a 40-point game, that's obviously phenomenal. And I wondered why there wasn't something like this for hockey. And I did some Googling, and I couldn't find anything. So I decided to just do it myself. And that's pretty much how it came to be. And then uh, I wrote about it on Hockey Graphs. And it's pinned to my Twitter profile if you want to read about it still. Um, Basically, I just... I took all the basic hockey stats, goals, assists, shots even face-offs, Corsi, goal differential, and I weighted them by how important they are towards getting goals 
and that's basically the gist of it. And then I noticed that um, if you did it at like a full season level, the players at the top were good players. So I felt I did something right, hmm. I guess. And yeah, then, it's, uh, always it's always a good thing when Cindy Crosby or Tyler Sagan or Keith Bergeron are at the top, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then with that in mind, um, I tried to make a model to, I guess, measure player value using this and just to see what it would come up with. And uh, I guess the result, like, I combined all the team, all the players on each team, and then I saw the end result, and it mostly made sense to me. There was no, nothing, like, terrible, like, I guess. You didn't have the Buffalo Sabres winning the league or anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if I had the Sabres win the league, I would, I did something wrong. But I had Pittsburgh <laughs> at the top, San Jose, Washington, L.A., pretty much all the good teams. Um, I had Boston at the top, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> that one's a bit questionable, and then here they are leading the league in Corsi right now. So I mean, sounds never... like you nailed it. Yeah, sounds like I did a pretty good job, and people can stop yelling at me about that one. Well, I, I read your introduction article on Hockey Graphs, and I liked it a lot, and I thought it was really uh, easy and broke it down really nicely to understand. Um, I, I was interested in how you uh, ultimately decided to weigh all the stats because uh, I've seen other kind of formulas like this before and they just kind of uh, throw together weighted percentages, but what they think is best, but you seem to go off of like a correlation of goals almost, right? Um, it's not so much a correlation to goals, just mm -hmm. how important they are to goals. So mm -hmm. If goals are equal to one, how many times does a goal have a primary assist? And that was like 95%. So assists, a first assist would be worth 95% of a goal. Right. For a secondary assist, it was, I think, 70% or something. So that's why that was weighted there. Um, shooting percentage is around, I think, 10% in all situations. So it was yeah. rated at 10% of a goal. And basically, that was... The basic method um that wasn't the first method i did i don't even think it is mm -hmm. necessarily the best method i know the first one i tried um i was going off uh, a couple years ago matt kane wrote something about weighted shots mm -hmm. and basically he had something similar with all these weights for different things and i was my first method um went off of that but then i decided to go in a different direction because when i was doing it and I was looking at the best games of all time. I just the first method didn't have Sam Gagne's eight-point <laughs> game as the best game. And in my head, if that's not the best game, then it's not right. Something was <laughs> wrong. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that was basically why I changed it. All right. Now, if you look at your at your model, do you think that this is something? Because we're a fantasy hockey podcast, obviously. Do you think that this is a type of model that people could use? Um, to translate maybe into fantasy success, kind of find some uh, maybe diamonds in the rough on the waiver wire or something like that? Um, well, the model is based on uh, like goals, assist shots, because I, like, I did my own projections for that. I don't know if you were following me at the time, but I did fantasy hockey projections. At the, yeah, the preseason, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so, like, the model is based on all those things I was projecting individually. 
So it sort of depends because there's some players who rank well that aren't necessarily good fancy players, but because they get they have good on ice differentials. Yeah, they look better here. Um, I think one way that does help in fantasy hockey is just because I post um, win probabilities, I guess, every day just before the game start. And I think just for, I guess, goalie's sake, yeah. just knowing that they're more likely to win than maybe your backup. Like the other day uh, I had, well, I had Jonathan Quick and he got injured. So for most of the year, because I only have one goalie starting spot, I literally just kept Luongo, didn't bother picking up a second goalie and just used forward for that extra spot. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the weekend, I picked up Connor Hellebuck off Winnipeg. Yeah. And on Tuesday, I had, I think, Winnipeg to win 50% of the time and Florida to win 45% of the time. And I thought I started Hellebuck, but I did not. And <laughs> yeah. I getting, like, yeah. six less points for that. So, like, it won't always happen. Like, just because a team is 60% likely to win doesn't mean they'll win. Because, right. obviously, 40% of the time, the other team's got to win, too. Mm-hmm. But if you pick the goalie that's going to win 60% of the time, most of the time, you'll be ahead in wins, right. generally. It's like, it's like poker, right? If You, you kind of just you have to make the right play consistently, even though it's not always going to go in your favor. And just the thought is, over the long run, it's going to bend yeah. your way. Is there... So, if... Is there a player or maybe even a team um, represented in your model that is kind of ripping it up or that maybe people aren't quite talking about yet, but your model seems to love them and, and you think that uh, maybe they're going to, it's going to turn into success in real life or a team that's maybe already successful that is kind of uh, overperforming how everybody was expecting and then your model kind of called it. Is there anybody like that that's kind of flying under the radar, but your model seems to love? Um, I think the one team that jumps immediately to mind is the Blue Jackets Hmm. because everyone thought they would be last and I think at the start of the season I said they would be like a playoff bubble team and like I mean they're not playing that great right now but it's the same thing with the Rangers everyone's talking about how they're rolling four lines that can play and they have a not so great defense and Mm -hmm. they're scoring and it's I guess it's not surprising that they're scoring more than they should because they've got four lines that can go. Columbus mm-hmm. has the same thing. They don't have any... They don't have Jared Bull anymore. They don't have Clarkson. They don't have Rene Borg. They have four lines that can go as well. I mean, they're not at the caliber of the Rangers, but right. I guess they're doing the same thing. And, peop- and like they obviously have worse possession stats, but I don't think they're getting the same credit that maybe they should. Like I don't think they're a good team, but I think that they could at least be average to slightly below average and not a complete bottom feeder despite yeah, their terrible possession. Because, I mean, they have Bobrovsky, too. They have they have some decent forward depth. They have Zach Wierenski now, who is amazing. Just a monster. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Philadelphia could be a lot better than they are now. Their goaltending Just so should boring. be better. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's been so bad, and I guess no one expected that, and I don't think that'll continue. And I think they, 
like they're they've got I think a top ten possession rate or a shot rate, and they've got good players. It just they make some dumb decisions. Like today, they scratched Ghost Bear. Yeah, that's for ridiculous. Who knows what reason they have Chris Vandeveld and Pierre Edward Belmar consistently in the lineup, even though they are just negative value players. So I mean, once they fire people into the sun i think that could be a very good team obviously that's easier said than done though right yeah i think a lot of teams kind of tend to panic when uh maybe the puck just isn't bouncing their way um and yeah i mean scratching gossip spear is definitely a panic move mm-hmm. yeah twitter was basically just lit on fire today by that decision um i saw a couple instances actually where because i think it was hackstall bobble night not too long ago i saw a couple instances where people were actually lighting hackstall bobbleheads on fire today so i don't think philadelphia is really that happy with the decision um but like you look at them last year even they were i think they were i think in the top 15 in the league in goals against um so their goaltending was actually pretty strong last year i mean michael neuverth was like top 10 in save percentage in the NHL last year. So, I mean, I don't think their goaltending was as good as it was last year or as bad as it was this year so far. So, I think it'll eventually start to balance out, I, especially the way they can score. And I wish, uh, as a Red Wing fan, I wish the Red Wings would maybe start to go more towards the the way of the Blue Jackets and the Rangers. How, Because I, I think the Red Wings would be able to roll some skill on all <laughs> four lines, opposed to throwing out Steve Ott and Drew Miller and Luke Clendenning every night. Yeah, the Red Wings have that talent in their system, and they just decide not to use it for yeah, some or reason. Or wave it. <laughs> yeah, or just get rid of it altogether. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Um, okay, before we let you go, in the last couple, I guess yesterday mostly, uh, some huge injury news came down. We heard that Steven Stamkos is likely out for four months, uh, Johnny Gaudreau probably six weeks, Taylor Hall about a month. I uh, just was interested to know how much does these injuries affect each team uh going forward i know i think you were talking a little bit about it on twitter today you said stamkos's injury um drops the uh lightning's playoff probability down by 10 percent um i just would like for you to maybe touch on that a little more and how big of an impact these losses really are uh it really depends on a lot of things um Obviously, Gaudreau, Hall, Stamkos are all extremely good players. But what really matters is, I guess, where they are in the playoff race right now and also how long they're out. So Stamkos is pretty much, I mean, four to six months, uh, he's pretty much done for the year, right? Yeah. yeah. But Tampa Bay is already, I mean, they've already projected for around 100 points. So taking Stamkos out at this point in the season and accounting for who is going to replace him, you probably lose about three points. And because you drop from 101 to 98, that's about 10%. If it was 95 to 92, it'd be a lot larger of a swing. Right. Right um, on the bubble there, right? Yeah. If they were on the bubble, it'd be much more dangerous. And also, <laughs> if they were replacing Stamkos with, like, let's say the Stars replaced some of their injuries with Lori Korpakoski. That was not, that's not a great thing to do, <laughs> and, uh, to put it lightly. So yeah. I remember when Hemsky was ruled out for the rest of the season, I dropped the Stars, I think, almost the same amount. I think it was like around 8%, and people were wondering how they dropped so much. And it was not just because Hemsky was that good, it was because 
it meant Lori Korpakoski was going to be there for the rest of the season, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, Dallas was, I think, around 57% of the time. So they're right in the bubble. If they drop a few points, someone else is going to be above them now. Right. Um, for Hall and Gaudreau, because they're not going to be out for long, it's not a huge, huge drop, um, especially since they weren't... I know the Devils are near the top of the league now, but, I mean, their team they score like isn't one that great game. to begin with. So, like, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs much to begin with, but I had them at, I think, 32% yesterday, and then with the Hall injury, dropped them down to, like, 29 if Hall was out for the whole year, it would be a different story. Right. But he was only out for like four weeks or so. Um, same with uh, Gaudreau, who got injured. I think it was around 3% as well. But also, that's because they were already low to begin with. Yeah, that's the one thing with, with Calgary. Like, it's such a bad time for Gaudreau to get injured because it, like they need to start turning the corner here soon because of their slow start now, losing Gaudreau. They're... they're Playoff probability was already low to begin with, and then with Gaudreau, mm-hmm. it probably drops uh, even further. So that's interesting because we, in the first half, we talked quite a bit about what these teams can do without uh, these three players, especially Tampa Bay without um, Stamco. So it was, I wanted to really see what your model had to say about it. Um, and then before we let you go, I got one more question for you. You kind of mentioned about um, picking up Hellebuck and having Luongo. So obviously, you, you play fantasy hockey. How are you doing so far this year? Uh, I am crushing it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know. You, it's because you use daily yeah. face-off all the time, right? Uh, I do, actually. I look, because for my model, I gotta, uh, I have to know who's playing to get my probability, so I pretty much go on it, like, every day to see what the lineups are. So thank you for your service. <laughs> no today. problem. Good to hear. Um, the one thing, too, I guess, before you go, is the win probability. Now... I know myself, I'm a betting man, I like to bet on the games. Having a model like this that can, you know, every day you can kind of check in to see um, who's got the best chance of winning. Do you use that to maybe uh, play some bets every now and again? Uh, you could say I'm a betting man. There you um, go. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably uh, know <laughs> that that is most of my tweets. Um, but uh, betting hockey isn't really about who's going to win. It's about the edge you have on the line. Right. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. So, I mean, is there an example from today? Today, um, the Flyers, I have them as 54% favorites. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm going to bet, like I already bet on Winnipeg because the line suggests that I guess their chances are better than 54%, which I don't necessarily agree with i think uh on tuesday it was probably one of my better nights betting and i bet let's see how many games did i bet here um i bet on nine games and seven of them were underdogs huh yeah so there's yeah. obviously some discrepancies between the vegas lines and your game score model at this point yeah, and so far it's done pretty well for me. That's awesome. Good to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's good to know, yeah. That, that makes betting a little bit easier, right, when you kind of just have to look at two numbers. It's like, okay, here's my number, here's the Vegas number, and you kind of just, okay, well, let's let's roll with it. And It's nice It's nice to know that the model's working because it, it makes it a little bit easier to, 
to kind of trust it, right? Mm-hmm. So pretty much like there was a time this year where I think the Canucks were playing the Rangers and the model said to bet on them, even though it was like a, such a lopsided game. And I think I had the Rangers at like 69% and I just put some money on Vancouver and somehow they pulled it off. So that was nice. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, Dom, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and talking about uh, the model. If you guys don't follow Dom on Twitter, make sure you do it. Uh, it sounds like he might help you out in the betting world as well. Um, and if you're just super into fonts, it's pretty much the best graphs you're ever going to see um, anywhere on Twitter. So, Dom, thanks for uh, coming on and talking to us. Thanks for having me. Have a good one, buddy. Have a good one. Welcome back to episode 41 of the Daily Faceoff podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Berthium. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Dom Lachinsky. Lachinsky? It's not even close. Yeah, it is, isn't it? No, Lachinsky. Lachinsky. Definitely no ski at the end. (laughs) I thought that was so right. Um, At OMG, it's Domi. Uh, There's a reason he goes by that Twitter handle. Um, Way easier. Not his last name. So, uh, yeah, really... uh, Great stuff with the score model there. Hopefully you guys were able to uh, really get a feel for it. And keep an eye on him on Twitter because, like I said, it, it sounds like it could be pretty good for uh, betting if you're into that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, especially like if, if even because it's tough to always completely grasp uh, something just by listening yeah. uh, to him explain it. So if you if you were actually super interested in, in, in his model, head over to his Twitter. As he mentioned um, – his pin tweet, yeah. Yeah, his so. pin tweet explains the whole thing in depth. So if you want to learn yeah. more about it, head over to, the, to his Twitter. It's a great introduction article. For sure. Yeah, it is. No, it teaches you. It kind of it breaks down the entire formula and everything, so it's great. Uh, so, so yeah, head over to OMG is Domi on Twitter and, and get some more information. Mm-hmm. Cool. But, uh, D, are you ready to talk about some uh, some waiver wire ads or what? Yeah, I think we got it with all the injuries this weekend. Yeah, it, oh, it's ugly. It, it, it's it's ugly out there. It, it seems like even I'm in a couple twelve team leagues, and I went over to like uh, I lost Goudreau in the one league. I went over the waiver wire to pick somebody. I'm like, shit! It's like a barren wasteland out here. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking about how it's like uh, it's a pretty bad time for three guy, three big guys to get hurt because uh, there's not a whole lot of solid options on the wire. Right now. The bet the better news is if you lost somebody like Hall or Goudreau, where you kind of just got to patch the lineup up for three weeks, right, right. or four weeks, where if yeah. you lost, if you sure. lose Stamkos, you're pretty much you're screwed, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's huge detrimental to the lineup for sure. Uh, but D, why don't we start with somebody on the left wing, maybe a patch job for Hall or Goudreau? Start with somebody on the left wing that you can pick up to replace those guys. All right, so. I'm going to talk about someone that's really going to get Brock going right now. Come on. And that's Thomas Tatar. What? He's been just awful so far this season. But uh, I've got some numbers to suggest that that's not going to last. Yes, you do. Um, I've always thought Tatar was a pretty good player. Um, He's always been an above-average shooter. He's got 12.4% for his career. Um, Consistently, too, he's been above 10. I wish you could see how excited I am right now. (laughs) <laughs> he had 45 points in 81 games last year, despite playing just 14 minutes a game and just around two power play minutes a game. So now with the removal of the likes of Pablo Datsuk, he's jumped up to 17 and a half minutes a night. Yeah. Uh, over three minutes of power play time a contest. Mm-hmm. And he somehow has just six points in 17 games. It's ridiculous. So as you would have suggest a lot, or as you might imagine, a lot of that's been driven by his 
own poor shooting percentage so far to start the year shooting just 4.9 percent like we said he shoots over double that uh for his career um Triple and it's that. worth noting that his shot production has actually gone up this year um he's shooting more at, an, at a better rate so the low shooting percentage explains his dip in goal productions and his, his assist can be explained by his teammates shooting just 5.9 percent when he's on the ice um, which is very bad. It's about like half of what the league average should be. So you can almost double uh, both of what he's had so far, which would put him just around under a point per game if he was going off career and league averages for shooting percentage. Um, and if you think of, if you're thinking of uh, maybe the loss of Datsuk has actually played a role in Tatar's dip in production, uh, you should probably think again because I <laughs> thought that myself. But Tatar played only 24% of his even strength minutes with Datsuk last year. Yeah, that they didn't play a lot at all. Um, so basically what I'm trying to say, all these numbers indicate Tatar's experience in some bad puck luck to start the season. Um, his increased usage suggests uh, his production should top what he did last year for sure. Um, and, you know, it, it's a bit different situation with some other coaches. It seems like Blashill, like definitely realizes what he has in Tatar and isn't, uh, I don't think he's going to shy away from using him anytime soon. He knows he's going through a bit of a slump. Um, yeah. And like I said, it's not often that, a uh, player as skilled as Tatar and with that much usage sits at just 23% ownership in Yahoo formats. So, mind. you know, a lot of people are going to look at this and wait to see an uptick before they add him on their team. If you need the spot, uh, don't wait uh, for what is really a, an inevitable turn in production to come. Get out in front of it before he gets hot and uh, jumps over, I, I'd imagine, like 50% easily Yeah, uh, if he goes on a run. The so, thing is, too, like, I, sorry, I'll, I won't cut you I, off. Let me finish. No, I was just going to say it's great potential at a thin position that just got thinner with the injuries to Hall and Goudreau, So Yeah, and the thing is, too, like, you're listening to a Red Wing fan right now. This dude is snake-bitten. I swear yeah. to God, one game he could have had four goals. He had, like, zero. Like, he's just, he can't, he's snake-bitten, but it's only a matter of time. I can't. It'll come around. I can't imagine. Like, I was just on the, the uh, NHL Numbers podcast the other, uh, yesterday, uh, watched the game, and, uh, I said the same thing. They're like, well, what's one Red Wing that you think could turn it around here soon? I'm like, dude, it's got to be Thomas Tatar. Like, yeah. there's just no reason for it. And then even like yeah. you mentioned, you were talking about his minutes played. Last year, we, every, every single one of us just sat there and, and looked and like, oh, yeah, where's Tatar? Oh, he's playing 13 minutes again? We're like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen ever. He's our best winger. The hell is he doing <laughs> sitting on the bench right now? And as a guy who watches Tatar every day, this dude does some amazing shit. He also does a lot of stupid shit. But I think the amazing outdoes the stupid. He is As so dumb does. sometimes. Um, but honestly, dude, like, like we were just talking about how bad the wire is right now, oh, and there's, there's no, no other first liner with his skill like below forty percent. Had twenty nine goals two years ago. Like, come on. Yeah, he's he's, he's a, a good, potential he's a really good shooter. Score. He's a really good shooter, and his like I said, his shot production is only going up. Um, I wish I, I was yeah. in a league that he was available. He'd be on my team immediately. Every league 20, I'm in, with is a bunch of wingspan. It's insane. I'm in one. I'm in 100% of those leagues. Yeah, for sure. I'm in 100% of those 23%. Uh, but a guy that I like on the left wing uh, right now is Patrick Maroon. Uh, over the last seven games, Maroon is third among Oilers forwards in time on ice, uh, averaging quite a bit of time on ice. I don't have the number. I don't know why I don't. It's ridiculous. Uh, and fifth in power play time on ice per game at just over two minutes. Uh, the real boon for maroon right now i don't know why that rhymed that was awesome uh is i was playing with Connor mcdavid and obviously playing with Connor mcdavid there's not a lot of other players in the nhl that you'd rather play with um 
He's recorded four goals and three assists, seven points over the last seven games, which has him tied with McDavid over the team lead in that span. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Maroon, not the most skilled, not the sexiest name on the waiver wire, but it, as long as you're playing with McDavid, uh, it's kind of like we were talking about with Bo Bennett earlier. Like, oh, man, this guy's yeah. going to be good he's playing with Crosby. Maroon's the same way. Yeah. Um, the one, Especially for the short term, right? Like, exactly. That's injuries, what I mean. Like, Just oh. for a couple weeks. Uh, as yeah. long as he sticks there. Uh, the one real positive is through the first 10 games of the year, Maroon was averaging 1.9 shots per game. Uh, mm-hmm. And over the last seven games, he's averaging 3.14 shots per game. So his, his, shot, his shot total the is... Connor like, effect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And even if, even if you want to go on a smaller scale... I think over his last four games, it's been like five shots per game. So he's really starting to shoot. He's getting comfortable with Connor. He's playing um, the most minutes he's played. We saw him play 20 minutes a couple nights ago. Most minutes he's ever played. And a lot of the stuff you read, uh, Milan Lucic is really having a tough go right now in Edmonton. So I don't think that uh, Lucic really poses a threat to to Maroon's minutes playing with McDavid, especially while he's scoring. So in the short term, if you're looking for a replacement for Goudreau or Hall, I, I think look no further than Maroon. I'd pick up Thomas Tatar first if he's available in your league, but if Tatar's not, definitely take a look at Maroon while he's playing with McDavid. There's not much not to like. Um, he, the, the one thing worth noting too is that all of these points that he's picking up are coming in losses. The Oilers are, are kind of reeling right now, which I think a lot of people expected a little bit. Uh, but it's only a matter of time before McDavid really starts firing all cylinders again. The Oilers start winning, and I think Maroon has the potential to be really valuable over the next month or so uh, while you're missing Goudreau and Hall. Definitely. I agree. It's good that in the short term, as long as he's playing with McDavid. Like this yeah. Year. Oh, if he goes down and he plays with, like, even if he, I mean. If he leaves that line at all. Yeah, like, if, if you're playing with Dre Seidel and, 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 or Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I'm like, those really aren't terrible options. No, but they're good players. But, Pat, but, but Maroon is just not good enough to, to be, you know, fantasy-relevant playing with those guys. But when you're playing with McDavid, like, honestly, I think I could play with McDavid, and I would be, like, at least 1% owned. And I'm shit. I can't even you know, skate. You would own yourself, for sure. Yeah, I would be, I'd be all right. But, uh... So, D, I'm going to have to head over to Twitter, the Twitter machine right now, and I'm going to have to confirm some goalies and some injuries. But in the meantime, why don't you talk to the people about a center that you're picking up off the waiver wire, and uh, and I'll try to chime in as I confirm goalies. Sounds good, man. Um, so, there, this is a really interesting case, I think. I'm going to talk about Alexander Wenberg on Columbus. Um, he's, he's so underrated. It's unbelievable. Sorry. Right. Look, I, I, can, I can chime in. Look at me go. You're doing great, man. Uh, <laughs> So at a glance, when I first looked at him, I glossed over it and I was like, oh, his underlying numbers look terrible. Uh, seems like a run of good luck. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, but like, sorry, but they, I'm just trying to make sense of this in my mind. But the conclusion <laughs> that I basically reached in the end is that while he's not the point per game player that he's been so far this season, uh, he's still very good and probably has potential to finish above 50 or 55 points if he's to continue with the opportunity he has. So I'll dive into that a bit more. Uh, his ownership's up to 38%, so you got to act fast if you want him. Uh, he's picked up 15 points in 14 games, and he actually had a really strong finish last year, 39 points in his last 56 games. Um, so I think that's probably a more of an honest rate for him right now, but he's, he's still just 22 years old. Um, he's obviously shown some above-average playmaking ability. Uh, he's got, I think, 13 assists so far, only two goals. Um, he's playing 17 minutes a night and the third most powerful minutes on the team. 
which means as long as he's doing that, he should have a decent floor for production regardless. My only scare is with Tortorella at the helm, he makes so such knee-jerk decisions all the time, i.e. scratching Rick Nash. Um, <laughs> whereas if, if a player struggles, like it doesn't seem like anyone's safe under Tortorella. He, he, he almost has no patience and doesn't like waiting out cold streaks, which I think is a huge flaw in his coaching. Uh, sup, Torts, get at me. Um, but again, like... Get just, at me. Uh, Wenberg's PDO is at 108 right now, really high. On-ice shooting percentage of 14%, very high, which would explain his uptick in assists. But if he's playing first-line and first-line power play minutes, he still has a very good floor. And, you know, at 22 years old, he's still on the rise where his game should be improving from year to year. Uh, his first-round pick two years ago. Um, so, I, again, like, because of how good he's been, he's obviously been a really hot pickup off the wire. But I still think uh, even when he does regress, just keep an eye on his ice time. If his, if if Torts is willing to wait out any cold streak he faces, then I, I think he's fine. But as soon as his playing time starts dropping, he, he's not good enough to really – he'll be back around half a point a game, which is you know not really that great. But he, uh, he's definitely worth an ad right now, I think, if you're in hell, especially if you have Stamkos because he's got decent long-term potential, like I said. Um, so, yeah, like just – Again, I, I can't say it enough. He, he's not a point-per-game player, but he's still really good, I think. And he's still young, and he's still improving. And, uh, you know, but, again, he had four assists in the 10 nothing game, so that's something else to think about yeah. when I talk about that. But, uh, again, it comes back to how thin the wire is right now, and there's just not a lot of options. So, while I don't think he's perfect, I think he's worth the ad. Just don't get mad at me if he falls off the map. Don't get mad at me. Um, well, the one thing, did you? I, I'm sorry, I was kind of sidetracked there, but did you mention um, what his on-ice shooting percentage was last year? Or uh, not? I did not. Okay, because I, like even last year, we saw him pick up 32 assists in 69 games. So like it, it kind of showcases his, his ability right. to be a, a pretty prolific uh, playmaker in this league. Uh, he's obviously not going to pick up the uh, the 70 what is it 76 assists that he's on pace for um his, his on ice shooting percentage last year was 9.8 which is like league average so yeah so i think yeah he's still pro i think like obviously especially we talk about this a lot with the head start i think he's capable of being maybe like an, a 40 assist player the one thing though too right when definitely when, yeah that's basically all you're getting with Wenberg is the assist. But I mean, when he's yeah, picking he him up in bunches, like he's, yeah, he's averaging just over a shot per game, which is basically what he always, right. what he always has done. Um, but he is a prolific playmaker. And I think like, especially if you're a guy, so let's say you've lost uh Stamkos or whatever, uh, but you're a guy that has a couple blue jackets on the roster. Maybe you've got Zach Rowenski, uh Brandon Sad, Nick Foligno or something. Then maybe adding Wenberg helps even more uh, pairing him with one of those guys. Um, I know Wenberg. He's he's one of like my favorite, uh, my favorite DraftKings picks. Whenever he, whenever the Blue Jackets are playing, because nobody ever picks them because mm-hmm. he he never shoots, uh, which it's is not, a, I which, mean, which is a problem. Yeah. But he picks up mad apples, and uh, I actually so like that day that they beat the the Canadians ten nothing. Like I called it out on Twitter. I'm like, yo, first regular season loss of the season tonight. Let's go Blue Jackets. And I stacked up. I had like Wenberg, Sad, Felino, Wierenski. Just ten nothing. I was just sitting there watching this game. This is the greatest thing I've ever watched. Like I mentioned it on the uh, uh, on the Watch the Game podcast yesterday too. They were kind of talking to me about giving out DFS advice. And that day, like the next morning, I had some guy message me. He's like, "Yo, dude, thanks so much. The lineup you posted last night won me four grand." And I was just like, "What?" 
what? Like, why the frick was I not in that contest? Like, that was literally just played my lineup and wins four grand. And I won't, like, I won a couple hundred maybe that night, but obviously I was not playing in the right contest. I was you rattled. Don't even want to read that, eh? What'd you say? You don't even want to read that. No, I know. I was just like, yeah, you're welcome. Like, cause like I knew it was a good lineup. I knew I helped people out, but I did not want to be like, oh, yeah, four grand. Son of a bitch. Could Shout out to Al Montoya, by the way, for surviving that entire show. Yeah, just sitting there and just getting his ass. You beat. have to, man. You can't. You can't bring Carey Price. No, I kind of, especially when they were playing the next night. Yeah, and I got some heat because I was just like, I know, because like a lot of people were giving uh, Tarion some heat for it. Now, while I do not agree with like half the shit Tarion does, that was the right move. You it don't was the put, right you move. don't put Price in that situation. Like that game is meaningless. Right. You basically just right. got to pull six nothing. Like, why would you put your starter best goalie in the league? And you're you literally your whole. He's your yeah. whole team. You do not yeah. put him in. And like, I'm sorry. Like, you maybe call a timeout and you bring Al to the bench and say, "Look, bro. Like, you're just gonna have to take one for the team. <laughs> yeah. You're just gonna have to stand in there and just get pumped." But like, like try I'm not, not to let it. Patrick yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not Patty Wall, so who cares? Like, you, you know, it's gonna suck. I'm yeah, sorry. Al, we'll Al, buy Al you dinner. <laughs> yeah we'll buy you dinner for sure like yeah you absolutely have to ride that out is that with al montoya yeah sucks. But anyway unfortunate for him but like carrie's yeah. sitting there he's like dude like i'm sorry bro yeah like um, carrie does not go no Car- carrie you're you're staying on the bench bro you're staying sure. right next to me for sure um but a guy that i'm looking at is ricard actually it's ricard not i don't know why i said ricard but ricard raquel uh 27 owned that's the same own percentage as Pat Maroon, by the way, too. I don't think I mentioned his own percentage. 27% for Patrick Maroon. Uh, 27% for Ricard Raquel as well. Uh, so since returning to the lineup, uh, following his contract holdout, he was also battling an injury, pre- a preseason injury. So it kind of uh, had him miss, the combination of two had him miss the first nine games of the year. Uh, but, and training camp. Yeah, and training camp. Uh, but then since returning to the lineup, Raquel hasn't really missed a step at all. Uh, he's fifth among Ducks forwards in ice time per game, averaging close to 17 minutes a night. Uh, yeah. And fourth among forwards in power play time, uh, two minutes and 14 seconds per game on the PP. Um, the thing with him is he's versatile, not just on the Ducks lineup, but he's versatile in your fantasy lineup as well. So he could be a, maybe a guy that you want to reach out for because he can be a replacement for both Gaudreau, Hall, and Stamkos, all three of them because he has the center left wing eligibility. But then he's also capable in in Anaheim of playing, we mentioned this, I think on the last podcast, he's capable of playing on the first, second, third line. doesn't matter. He can play, he can center the center the third line or play on the top line with, uh, Getzlaff and Perry. Yeah. Um, so right now he's skating on the third line with Antoine Vermette. That's likely a lot to do with his two way ability. That's a bit of like kind of a shutdown line. Um, which to me doesn't make a ton of sense because I think like that Cogliano Kessler Silverberg line is also shut down. Sorry, but if you start trying to make sense of Randy Carlos, yeah, and that's that, that's it. That's just podcast. it. Yeah, and I'm not even gonna try. Uh, but that yeah. so that obviously limits his production a little bit. Um, I think Nick Ritchie will likely stay with Perry and Getzlaff for a while. Um, Raquel has looked good in that situation, so maybe mm-hmm. they'll look at him again. But again, not gonna try to make make sense of Randy Carlisle. But even on that third line with Vermette, uh, Raquel's not a terrible option, uh, especially because he plays such heavy minutes in the power play as well. Yeah. Um, they're going to continue to use him a lot because of his two-way ability. We've seen his Corsi numbers drop off significantly this year. Uh, he's a negative Corsi player right now, but he was first time. Yeah, he was his first time in his career. 
that might be a Carlisle effect. He was at 53% last year. Um, so I was going to say every every Ducks player's possession numbers are down right exactly. now. Exactly. So. Um, but even – and like the one thing too that people will look and, and be a little scared off about is the shooting percentage is a little bit higher right now. But even if that drops a little bit back down to some normal levels, um, he's shooting more than he's ever has. He's st- you know, he was a 2020 player last year. He has potential to be a 25-25 player this yeah. year despite missing the first nine games. Um, I expect that, like the Corsi, to to kind of work itself out a little bit. Like I don't think it's as bad as it is so far this year, and I don't think it's going to be as good as it was last year under Carlisle. But even still, he's playing big minutes, plays big minutes on the power play. Eventually, I think he'll still see some time uh, with Getzlaff and Perry, which at that point he carries even more value. The real reason I like him, he's not an overwhelmingly dynamic offensive player. But he's a solid, consistent producer with dual position eligibility, and that's tough to find on a, on a really thin waiver wire right now. Definitely. Can't stress that enough. The wire sucks right now. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's just brutal. Um, but hey, Vladimir Tarasenko is on the ice for warm-up, so it looks like he'll play. So that's yeah. good for Tarasenko owners. If you're an Alex Steen owner, not so much. Uh, but I think that's pretty much all we got, eh? What, uh, what about you? You got anything else to add? I think we're good, man. Well... Before we go, obviously I want to I want to stress uh, becoming a patron. If you like what you hear, head over to patreon.com. Probably have to head over to DFO Podcast on Twitter first to find the link to our Patreon page. Uh, but go ahead, become a patron. Uh, lots of perks will come of that. We're still trying to figure out exactly what we want to do. Uh, but see, I'm almost the end of November. So uh, the end of every month, we're going to try to do a live podcast for just our patrons only where you guys can just – load up with all the all the fancy hockey questions uh that you have uh we would like to do some meet and greets and stuff but until we start getting a lot of patrons i mean half of you guys are probably on the other side of the globe so that's probably not going to happen for a while uh but we're still trying to figure out what we want to do exactly with all of our patrons eventually we'll have that nailed down let you know uh some more exciting news for the daily face-off podcast i'm not sure for sure if uh you're going to hear it today um, but I've been in touch with the Blue Stones. They're sending over all of their new tracks for me to start showcasing on the show. So we're going to not have to roll with the punches every single episode. We'll have some new Blue Stones for you. Um, Black Holes is a great song. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Fanta- right? Yeah, it's fantastic. I can't. I, if you send it to me before I edit this podcast tonight, I'm going to uh, I'm going to throw it in there. Also, he said that him and his both the guys from the Blue Stones plan on coming on the show in the near future so look forward to that show they both play fantasy hockey i believe so the blue stones are going to be live on the show soon um, i actually went to high school with his brother too his did you brother. i don't yeah. think that they're going to play on the show maybe they can bring their guitars and let her go i highly doubt that but the blue stones yeah, will be on the show anyway so we got some new blue stones tracks we're not that right. cool uh, wait do we got are there any new patrons that we should shout out real quick um it, it according to patron we do or patreon we do I'm going to shout them out next week because I couldn't figure out what their name was. I'm still getting used to it. I have really True. no no. Idea. So that's on us, but yeah. if you guys are supporting it, just know like we, we couldn't appreciate it. Also, if you do... You guys are awesome. If you are a patron and we haven't followed you back yet on the DFO podcast, please head over and let us know. Tweet at us. Let us know that we haven't followed you back. We'll follow you back immediately. And feel free to send us um, inbox messages whenever you have questions because... I have so much stuff coming at me uh, all day with the DFO pod, or the DFO account and my account. But whenever I get direct message questions, I see them right away and I can get back to you as soon as possible. Same goes for D uh, and Beebs. 
Yeah, or, and... or just tweet at me. My Twitter is nowhere near as busy as Brock's. So <laughs> I see everything. I was looking today. I was laughing how you were literally just at exactly 100 followers. That was cracking me up. Really? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Right to at... be fair, I had to totally abolish my old Twitter account when we started doing this. So I had about 400 followers then. So you're yeah, you're criminally underfollowed. You got to get back on that Twitter machine and just go nuts all day. You retweeted I... something the other day. I was dying, but. I am the I am I I'm not afraid to say it. I am among the best retweeters in the world. So it's, <laughs> best, like, you're the you're the best at just pushing other people's brand, but just can't exactly. create your own. <laughs> oh, I like the best editor. You know, like I find all the best content out there. Throw it your way. It's it's great. Like seriously. And I'm then you know, I'm like, the best retweeter. I've never two or three it. times a week, you'll see some gold original tweets too. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm definitely known for my my retweeting. That's hilarious. And then the last tidbit of exciting news. Um, you guys are going to not have to look at our stupid ass bobblehead images anymore in the near future. We're working on I think they're great. <laughs> they're just like there was just like me trying to come up with a It's really good for what it was. Yeah, for yeah, like I'm not a I'm not a Photoshop expert, I'm no artist or any of that shit, so I was just like, "Hey, see what I can do with the limited resources and skills that I also I don't look like that at all anymore. So yeah, I know, me either. I'm like, <laughs> I, that was like a picture of me like four years ago, but I think yeah, it's the only so, picture I had so. where I'm not literally looking somewhat to the side. It was the only picture where I wasn't wearing a hat and I was looking directly forward. It was the only yeah. choice I had. But anyways. Peeves looks the same. He makes that stupid face all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> I hope you guys. Love you, buddy. Good luck on your exams. Whatever he's Sweet. doing, yes. Whatever you're doing. Unimportant bullshit, according to me, every time you guys aren't here. Uh, but anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this Beebless episode. I'm Brock Segan, Dylan D. Birthroom in Brantford, and thanks again for, or thanks again to Don Lecision for coming on the show. You can follow him at, at OMG, it's Domi. You can follow yeah. me at, at Brock underscore Segan or D at 3D Birthroom on Twitter. Thanks a lot. Last retweets in the business. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Enjoy the blue stones, and I'll see you guys back here next week. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.